Have you ever wondered about the hardware used to do CGI? Well, stay tuned, because in this episode, number 2107, the CG Bros will be doing a deep dive into that subject when they answer the commonly asked question, what is the best hardware setup to do CGI? On the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. Well, what's up? It's great to see you again, and welcome back to the CG Insider Podcast. In this week's episode, the CG Bros are going to answer the question submitted by Robert S. from Des Moines, Iowa, and he's asking, what's the best hardware for creating CGI? I'm Bill Johnston, one half of the CG Bros. And I'm Sean Johnston, the other half. And by the end of this podcast, not only will you know some of the early history of computer hardware that was used to create CGI back in the early days, you'll learn what some of the best computer hardware is for creating CGI today, and why it's the best. You'll also learn some of the differences between what computer hardware studios are using and what hardware might be best for your personal creation of CGI, including what CPUs to be looking for, uh, how much RAM to get, and, and some tips on monitors and input devices we use. And we'll also offer some suggestions for you if you're looking to create some CGI for yourself. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, well, there's, there's, a, there's kind of a, a, a long history of workstations to create CGI in the past. And, and uh, John, why don't, you, uh, why don't you start off, if you would? Well, the uh, the workstations that, uh, in my experience, uh, and and uh, through the through the early '90s at least, uh, were sp- basically uh, specific uh, high powered hardware, um, and most of it was used for uh, technical or scientific applications. And uh, I recall at that time, um, you know, first getting into or even understanding about CGI and uh, looking at uh, you know movies like Jurassic Park and things like that. Uh, there's several um, workstations that were a little more, way more powerful than your typical PC that had, a, you know, like a, let's say a 386, 486 machine that had um, um, what they called at the time was the uh, the CPU was a what they called CISC, which was a complex instruction set, and I knew that the uh, risk was in the workstations that were running Unix, and those were a reduced instru- instruction set, which basically offered you a uh, order of magnitude performance uh, over your typical PC. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I think we only had in our own PCs, which were uh, you know IBM clones, were right around. I think the max was eight megabytes of RAM at that time, and those those workstations had you know lots of graphics hardware, three D, uh, especially the the SGI Silicon Graphics machines were probably the most popular of the the, the, the graphic workstations. Um, I remember know. those. Yeah. yeah in so addition fact, to, I was, go ahead. I was going to say I was working when I got my first job at nine eight nine here in San Diego. It was a Sony studio. Uh, they they provided me a state of the art, well, what they called state of the art Unix based SGI workstation. It was called the Cube, um, and it was I think it re- retailed for about twenty six or twenty seven thousand dollars just for the one unit. And it was clunky. It was huge. It was it was literally a beast of a machine. Was that the O uh, two uh, or or the Q, was actually called a cube? Well, I started with the O two. That's that's coincidentally enough. Yeah, I did start with the O two, and then they gave me a cube. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember even in some of my first experience with the um, uh, Silicon Graphics workstation was uh, an actual challenge. One of their challenge systems that was in one of my early um, jobs in in uh, video gaming. And they had it. Uh, uh, running uh, servers and running, um, I, I guess, simulations for some reason. I didn't. I never understood why they were running it, but one of the the engineers was using it. And I remember just being impressed by the the uh, graphics uh, interface, 
uh, similar to what you saw in Jurassic Park when they were trying to lock all the, or unlock, or turn on all the systems, all the power systems at the very end, um, mm -hmm. the, the two kids. And the interface was had those rotating cubes for all the interface. Um, I thought that was really interesting. And, and they had some really amazing, uh, at the time, I think it was a, uh, whales or fish or something like that swimming as a screensaver. And I hadn't, in all 3D, and I hadn't seen that before. And I thought it was really amazing. Well, I know in the last podcast we talked about, you know, when, when we were talking about what inspired us, um, we were talking about movies and, and how uh, movies were inspiring. And I, I really, when I, before I even got into CG, I was looking to do movies, um, you know, video on, on, a, on a computer. And I it remember. Was, it was a far, it was, it was evasive. I mean, there was no way I could afford the equipment that it would take to do video editing on a computer. Uh, that, that, and then, then a, a product called Video Toaster came mm -hmm. around. And, um, that, that changed, that, that changed everything. Yeah. I remember so. that. That was amazing. It was, uh, it was, it's so, it was, you know, the new tech, uh, video toaster 4,000. I remember seeing the ads for that and the, the VHS, um, you know, cause everything was on VHS at that time. There's no DVD. Um, in fact, there was at that time, there was no even CD. And this is before we got into, um, actually got our jobs in, in the entertainment industry, but, um, seeing those uh, initial promo that had uh, Will Wheaton on it from Star Trek ne Next Generation, um, uh, Penn Jillette and Tony Hawk, uh, super young. Um, I remember being really excited by seeing that and saying, hey, this is only a few thousand dollars. Let's let's buy a video toaster. We can do uh, 3D using Lightwave that came with it and yeah, you know right. had all these effects. And, and, and it was just a wow kind of a thing. You're, wow, this, we actually can do this. We don't have to buy, spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on a main freight or workstation. Yeah, supposedly it could do what the what studios were paying, you know, or had a hundred thousand dollar equipment to do the same thing. Um, right. They were initially selling it for like three thousand bucks. Yeah. But of course, you had to buy the videotape machines uh, and stuff like that. Right. The single single frame recorders and. Yeah. I remember that. Um, there was a. I remember the the PVR. Do you remember the PVR or the PAR? Yeah. Yeah. Personal. Uh, mm -hmm. What was that? Uh, Animation gosh. recorder. Yeah, and I remember being able to. It was hooked up to um, the video toast that we had at the studio and it would just render out and you could play it back in full, you know, resolution, not NTSC, you know, it was all digital looking and clean and everything. I think uh, they even used that, that video toaster to create some TV series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, Babylon 5, um, you know, Star Trek Voyager, Sequest, DSV. I remember seeing all those shows and looking at that space station, I remember seeing the Babylon 5 space station just going, wow, that's incredible. And you look at it now and you're looking at it and you're going, wow, all the, the greeble or all the detail that they had on the outside of that thing is, you know, at the, at the time it was pretty impressive, but now you look at it and you go, oh man, that, that doesn't look very good. Yeah. I think they even used it on uh, some episodes or, or at least for the series Battlestar Galactica as well. Yeah, that's what that's what I've heard. Um, yeah, it was the first. It was the first, uh, I guess, PC or, or personal computer platform. Um, you know, it was based on the Amiga, I think. Yeah, um, it was. Which which brought you know desktop editing to to the consumer uh, for the first time. Right, and uh, the do you remember going to um, being excited and going to the um, promo in in uh, L.A. Oh gosh, yeah, that was that was you know that was before I could afford anything, but uh, yeah, I, I really wanted to 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 do desktop editing, and it was thrilling just to see if they had a product that I could actually afford or almost afford. Uh, I think that was at the Hollywood Wax Museum. Yeah, it was. It was great. Yeah, and then yeah, Kiki uh, Kiki Stockhammer was there. It's pretty mm -hmm, funny. Yeah. 
I think she's still doing some kind of promo work for Lightwave, isn't she? Yeah, for New Tech. I think she's still yeah. doing stuff for that. Well, uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, talk about some of the uh, systems for creating CGI today. Um, let's start with the, maybe what employers are using uh, to create CGI. Um, well, to you know, basically, you know, through the through the nineties, you know, the workstations were the were the ones that you know were way out of our price ranges, and as we got into, you know, our video game industry and entertainment industry, then we started using those workstations. But as the as the power got more and more um, uh, fa- faster and faster with the normal PCs and video gaming pushing the the graphics capabilities of those things, eventually it, it's kind of blurred the lines, and especially the uh, when SGI decided to create um, the first uh, version of Maya, which was only on their their hardware, um, which was a real bummer, um, I they finally uh, like a year later, I think it was like 1999 or 2000, they started they ported it to um, the Windows NT, and so that was kind of a huge huge step for using um, just a normal PC. Yeah, um, and so. Today, I mean, they're they're so powerful today. You can still get a high end workstation, you know, from HP or Dell. You know, spend six, seven, ten thousand um, dollars. But I think, you know, your average person trying to do um, CGI, who's you know either trying to learn or um, would be would it would be okay to get just a, a normal uh, PC today that has um, really decent hardware, uh, just you know, for under a thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. We'll to get we'll, started. We'll, I agree. I agree. Well, mm-hmm. you know, it depends. It really depends. Like, well, for, as far as employers are concerned, you know, what, you know, the hardware you use and the software you use uh, will be probably determined by the studio that you work for, and and especially what kind of job that you're you're hired to do there. Um, and it's, so it's it's difficult to say what hardware is best for creating CGI these days because there's so many different you know processes and tasks that need to be completed in, in a CGI pipeline, and and they're they're very customized, and so a lot of these PCs are custom built for studios and. Uh, you know, you don't as a, as an employee or uh, of a studio, you you probably don't have much choice in in the equipment that you're using or the software you're using. So, uh, in your experience, are they are they um, getting uh, specific hardware made by a manufacturer? Or are they are they getting you know like a Dell, or are they going to um, you know like a, a local place uh, and having it done? Well, you know, interesting thing. It really depends on the size of the studio. I mm-hmm. think um, some studios have uh, the the, the uh, overhead to to be able to have their own IT uh, departments to actually build these workstations. And um, like for in the case of Sony, where I was working, um, they 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 were building their own, and uh, they be, well mostly because the tasks that they were they were set up to do were were pretty dedicated. I mean, some of the workstations that. Um, you know, don't they were building didn't even need video cards or mice or other input devices um, because these PCs are used to to uh, uh, dedicate. They were dedicated to doing one thing, which was um, you know rendering in our case, which was a, so we set up a render farm where they they basically configured the computers with as much horsepower as as possible, and they networked networked them together, and you just submit jobs to them, and they'd crunch on those those jobs until they're done. We'll be back in a moment, but first a question. Do you run a small business online, but find that it lacks online presence? Are you truly engaged with your customer base and prospects? You might want to check out AlphaWave Systems. They build responsive and eye-popping websites and get first-page Google ranking results. They can energize your digital channels to grow your customer base and revenue. So, whether it's a new website, increased social media presence, customer relations management, or analytics... 
You can grow your business in the cloud and experience rapid and tangible results. Go to alphawave.io to learn how. Um, we also did something similar for uh, a simulation farm where, you know, where I'm doing dynamic simulations for effects. Uh, they would do the same thing, network them together, and they were called the simulation farms. Uh, they, were, they would calculate stuff for... Because on one PC, if you're if you're simulating or rendering, that, that takes up your entire CPU, and you can't do any work with it. So we used to to offload that to these to the render farms and simulation farms. And um, you know, simulation farms, just in case you uh, you don't know, is um, they're dedicated really to doing dynamic uh, dynamic sims, particle simulations, um, doing simulations of fluid and cloth and hair and soft body simulations of skin fat and muscle, speaking of Jurassic Park, and that we even used them to do crowd simulations. Now, um, I know that um, you're rendering uh, frames and when you're, when you're doing cinematics work, um, what was, how was that, how was that set up? Um, I'm, well, what do you mean frames? Well, I mean, when you're having, I know you're working on um, various, um, you know, interstitials and, in you know, trailers and things like that for some of the, um, video games uh that you're that you're working on uh, I, oh, remember- I would just i'd just send the jobs to the render farms and they'd render out the the different layers and then those would be transferred over to the editing compositing department where the, they need they need customized machines with just really powerful video cards to do that desktop editing and actually put the piece together the commercials together um did you ever get a chance to see the render farm Oh gosh, yeah. It was. It, it looks basically like a. It's a room with a bunch of computers in it, and some of the computers actually have ten computers inside them, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so it was really not very spectacular. I mean, it was spectacular from the sense that you know you could see the power that was there and the power that was required to do the rendering, but you know they're they're not beautiful things, you know. <laughs> yeah, I remember actually going to um, uh, Sony ImageWorks uh, for a. Uh, a trip up there to see some of the stuff that they're working on at the time. I think it was either Beowulf or another, another, um, a movie at the time. And, um, looking at their render farm that they had up there, it was insane. It was, um, it must've been hundreds and hundreds of feet long and just racks and racks and racks of computers. I think that's uh, the first time I saw real, really just realistic simulated fire was in Beowulf. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a well. Let's, let's go ahead and talk about maybe um, some some of the uh, hardware requirement or excuse me, software requirements that that uh, determine what what hardware is being used. Uh, well, yeah, I think you're you're right about um, you know depending on depending. It's a hard question to and we're making it sound you know kind of dancing around it, but it, it's it's the hardware you're going to use is is really dictated by what application you're going to be using. Software application, uh, I mean. So if you're going to be creating, you know, are you going to be carrying, creating just 3D, 3D characters or, or um, you know, objects in Maya or 3D Studio Max? Or are you going to be, you know, creating particle simulations or, um, you know, using uh, Nuke for compositing work or something like that? So each one's going to right. determine, you know, specifically what you're going to be needing to do that. Well, you know, I, I know that uh, when I was working on my home PC um, before, I, you know, as opposed to my work PC, I would have to wait forever to see the the uh, user interface and the menus and the viewports uh, pop up, and that was that was a function I think of of not having enough RAM. And uh, our workstations at work had plenty of RAM, so we were we were very productive. And I think that's that's a, a key difference between uh, home and home and uh, studio uh, 
studio units is, you know, when I pushed a button, you know, I, I wanted to see things happen right away because, I mean, you can't, you know, a lot of times when I was at home, I, I'd, you know, push, push, you know, change something in my interface and it would take forever to update. You know, I could go get a cup of coffee if I wanted to before it actually finished updating. <laughs> Right. I mean, I think you could get a decent, you know, like I said earlier, um, you know, right, right around a thousand bucks, you can get at least get started learning a lot of the software that you have out there. And they have a lot of learning editions you can download um, to, to do, you know, gra motion graphics, 3D animation, uh, 3D modeling, texturing and those kind of things, uh, as well as simulation, um, you know. You, you just so want to. That's you probably wanna, a pretty good thing to check. Then I mean, yeah. if you're going to buy a piece of software, or use a piece. Of, you have a certain software that you're going to be using, and uh, you know you've got it in your mind. You, it's a, probably a good thing to kind of look at the website and see what what specs hardware it's required to run run that software. Right, they're minimum, and then they're they're recommended. Um, you want to get obviously the best the, the best uh, you can afford. Um, I would say don't skimp on the RAM if you can. Um, get as much RAM as you possibly can. Um, what would you say a minimum for somebody doing CGI today would need as far as RAM? Well, I'd say as far as RAM, I, I would, uh, I, well, I'm running, uh, at work, I'm running 100 and, uh, 124 megabytes of RAM. 124, uh, wow. Excuse me, gigabytes of RAM. Oh, gigabytes. <laughs> megabytes. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I remember when we started out, our, our, like you said, our machines were limited to eight, eight, and then when we got 16 megabytes, and I right. think I paid $45 a megabyte for RAM when, when we were starting out. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yes, I, I remember that. I, hey, that reminds me. Um, a real quick story, and I'll try, try and keep it quick. Um, I remember when I first started doing CGI, um, got, got 3d studio, um, uh, a hacked version, um, and was learning it because there was no oh, for DOS for yeah. DOS. Yeah. 3d studio. And then rendering out, um, um, some guy getting chased by a big, huge boulder. Um, and I remember I couldn't play it in Ram and I think it was, I think it was only 320 by 200 at the time, but, um, a friend of mine worked with Angel Studios, which eventually became um, Rockstar San Diego. And at the time, they had worked on a movie called The Lawnmower Man. And uh, I was blown awesome. away by the graphics in that, even even though it wasn't super realistic, but it was it was very virtual reality type. And it was just yeah. kind of at the time, it was really amazing. But I got it. I got the phone number um, from a friend and the person I needed to talk to, which was the animation director there who worked on the movie, uh, Mike Limber. And I remember calling him um, and saying, hey, I want to show you this VHS tape of this guy running and being chased by this big ball. And it, it was, if you look back at it, it and I could, it, I'm so glad I, you guys <laughs> can't see it. It's terrible. It was terrible. Um, oh, but it was so cool. Well, anyway, it was just, you know, when you could just render something on your own on a, on a PC at that time, you're like, this just blows you away. But anyway, I called him over and over, and I, I think for at least a, a year, once a week. And he took my call and he was super, you know, helpful and, and, and cordial and everything. And he never, never didn't take my call, but um, I would say, Hey, can I just come into your, into your studio? And just, if anybody's not using your SGI machines, I want to just learn how to use it at the time. I remember being just so uh, excited about doing that, but uh, that never eventually happened. Um, so yeah, it's just well, a, you know, it, it, to your to your point of you know get all the RAM you can afford. That's that's really true because it, it really makes your computer a lot faster. Uh, and if you don't have enough RAM, it it makes it slower because the RAM is where it, it holds all the caching uh, data from the CPU. Uh, and without you know if you don't have enough RAM, your system can't re run, really run at its full performance. And you know I, I've experienced system crawl um, when my CPU you know pages out to the hard drive and you know because I, I run out of RAM and 
um, my computer would also, you know, freeze up all the time or just crash on me. And that's, that's never a good thing. So, you know, when you ask me, you know, what's the minimum amount, I, I'd say between 16, you know, if you can, if you can afford 16 gigabytes of Ram, uh, you know, I would do it because it, to do serious CGI work, you need, you need at least 16 to 32 gigabytes of Ram these days. Yeah. My, my current machine has about 32. Um, I'm, I'm not doing rendering. Um, I'm just doing uh, animation editing on using Motion Builder and, and using Maya, and that and it performs very very well for me. Even my um, my i7 right now I have an i9, but the i7 worked worked really well. I mean, I didn't notice a huge. Uh, d- the only difference I really noticed was the number of programs I could run. I could run um, Maya, Motion Builder, Photoshop, um, all these different programs at the same time, and just be working and not even know they're opening, forget actually, you know, oh, my, my system's not slowing down. Um, it's funny. I could actually run multiple versions of either Maya or Motion Builder and I, it's still, it screams. It's really, really fast. And in addition to that, um, I would recommend doing a solid state drive for your primary drive. And if it, Absolutely. it, it, it that makes it all the difference in the world to me. But the, you know, what's interesting is I just, um, just recently found out about something that's been around for a couple of years or a few years, um, they call it SSD 2.0. Um, oh, so and, SSD is for a solid state drive. Yeah, so, yeah, solid state drive. And this this allows you actually to plug in the uh, an aversion of that. It's called NVMe. It's SSD that plugs into it's a it's a car it's a chip, a bunch of chips on this little um, uh, small little um, plug in. It plugs right into your motherboard. It's like it, it's almost like a memory stick. It looks like a memory stick. Okay. Um, that you'd probably plug in, um, but that can increase your your data transfer rates. I want to get one of these because this can intre- increase it by up to three gigabytes a second, depending on your what motherboard you have. And if you've got a machine within the last few years, um, good. Uh, it, it, most likely, you you can plug one one of the new MVMEs in there, and they're not too expensive. I think right around one hundred sixty bucks for one terabyte. Wow. Well, that's not to say that you can't use traditional hard drives, you know, uh, Correct. data storage or backups or archiving or something like that. But, you know, if you want to have a, sc- a screaming computer and one that's, uh, you know, going to run your programs, like you said, run them all at the same time, uh, that, that definitely requires an SSD. And, and I like SSD for one specific reason, uh, in addition to those other great reasons. But, you know, it takes, it takes less than 30 seconds to boot up my machine in the morning. It, it, it comes on. It's and a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, exactly, and and, and I, I I'm I'm so much more productive with an SSD drive. Yeah, but well, I mean, also do you know if you're using it for a scratch disk to you know put temporary files on or something like that, or large video files, you can put those on there and spin you know basically put them back into your any pro- program you're using. You know, if you're using a you know an editing suite of Adobe After Effects or Premiere or things like that, mm-hmm. um, it's really it's much much faster um, when you're editing. Oh, for sure. And I, and, and as far as VFX creation is concerned, you know, when I'm doing, you know, I've done simulations and it's writing out, you know, gigabytes of cache data, it's nice to have that cache data flying back to the computer, you know, when you're trying to preview your simulations, um, it has to read that cache off a disk. And the faster your disk is, the more, the more real time your, your, uh, your playbacks are going to be. Yeah. And I just thought of something, you know, it was interesting when I was running 3D Studio Max, when I was using Max exclusively for, for a long period of time before I learned Maya. In, in fact, I still have three Studio Max on my machines, uh, and I and I like them because they have a RAM player, um, which mm. is really interesting. Because when when I was doing cinematics, I'd render out single frames, and and you can load those into RAM um, using the RAM player uh, that comes with three D Studio Max, and it plays you know, 
it, until you fill up all your RAM, it, it plays it in you know full screen, all of your rendered pre-rendered um, sequences, which is really really awesome to use. Yeah, you touched on on video card as well, you know, and that's that's a really critical part of a system uh, these days uh, because they've got such powerful GPUs that are actually on the video cards now, um, and and that's 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 important for being able to you know when you're actually working in the menus and viewports and having you know, the UI and, and even the the real time rendering mm-hmm. uh, displays of, of say like if you're if you're doing lighting or you're doing some t- some type of uh, shading work you, you want to you know be able to see your shadows and you want to be able to see your textures in real time without having to wait you know for the right. screen to update and that's where the GPU really comes in so you know if you're buying you know buying or, or building your own machine just get the most powerful uh, GPU uh, or video card with the most powerful GPU you can I know AMD and Nvidia are the market leaders right now they make some some, some great cards on the market yeah the the a uh, lot of the rendering um, software programs including you know the free blender, um, 3D package that's free, open source, as well as um, I believe V-Ray mm-hmm. and um, Arnold and some of the other rendering packages can allow you to switch between GPU and CPU rendering. Um, mm-hmm. Which interesting to me is I didn't realize that there's there's depending on what software I know Blender you can actually switch between uh, either one CPU rendering or GPU rendering or you can actually have them do both. At the same huh. time, and um, it, was, it was interesting to find out that, you know, you, there's no silver bullet for any of the rendering. You just want to speed it up as fast as possible. But even necessarily putting it on both doesn't necessarily increase the number of uh, the speed that it that it renders. Um, and oh, some, that's true. That's that's really dependent on the CPU. Yeah, in in some of the packages, GPU depending on what you're using will actually render certain things faster than the CPU, um, and vice versa. So. Well, so, really so speaking of CPUs, if you're if you're buying or you know you're getting a workstation, you definitely want to to uh, get the most powerful hardware you can, and that includes the CPU. Uh, we kind of glossed over that a little bit, but um, these days I, I, the options that you've got are are not just single CPUs, but they're CPUs that have multiple cores, which are basically CPUs within the CPUs mm-hmm. uh, that allows you to, to you know, like if you're doing heav- heavily you know render intensive stuff or doing movie editing and uh, things like that. It, it's really it's really uh, you know, helpful because it can spread the, the those rendering jobs across all the different cores, and so you're basically getting uh, you know getting that stuff done in, in you know a fraction of the time that a single CPU could handle. Yep, that's absolutely true. Yep, I... um, and and as well as you know, you want to there's you want to get uh, something that has a high clock speed too. You know, the, what is you're you're using i sevens. Um, yeah, I think it was a three gigahertz um, i seven, but now the 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 latest machine is an i nine. Um, three gigahertz um, has it's multi-core, right? Yeah, I think it's has has eight eight cores. Yeah, I think that's that's what I'm running too. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, let's uh, go ahead. You know, I, I guess uh, part of part of having all your windows open and 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 you know, once you've got your CPU and your your RAM and you get your hard drives in order, uh, you know, you you still want to be able to have a nice monitor to see all the all your software with. Um, and I, I'd say, as far as monitors go, uh, probably the bigger the better. Um, especially if you're using just one monitor, um, right? You know, you just really want to have have enough real estate there to see see everything you want to see uh, without having to open and close windows all the time. That's a, that's a real pain, right? I think most people, um, uh, you know, that use uh, use multiple monitor setups these days. Um, at least all the studios that I work at. I mean, I've I've seen guys have six or seven monitors, but now it's very difficult if you have you know 32 inch monitors like I have. You really don't have enough desk space to go much bigger than that. 
Right, um, right. I, I, well, and you need a video card that can actually, you know, have outputs for those monitors as well. HDMI out, outs for that. Yeah, or DVI, yeah, multiple uh, digital out. Um, you're going to need that. Uh, I believe I had to get an add-on card to get a third monitor. Um, that was correct. It didn't come with my system. It only it only supported two. Um, I originally had the Dell monitor 24s um, that were. Um, Really, really nice. They had. I'm uh, still running those today. I've got two two Dells, uh, 24 inch uh, ultra ultra. What are they called? Ultra, ultra sharp, uh, ultra sharp monitors. Yeah, I love them, and I think they're still highly rated today. I think those are still still big sellers. Oh, they're excellent. They're excellent monitors. I just needed more uh, real estate, so I ended up getting some Samsungs um, that were 32s, and uh, and they're curved. And those are. Those are difference now nice. is the the flat versus the curved monitors. I yeah. I like the curved monitors. Um, I'd love to get one large sixty four inch curved monitor, but I know that would be way out of my price range if they even yeah. even make one. I don't even know if they make one that large. Well, I, I I'm using a uh, I think it's a thirty two inch curved monitor for you know my my work at at the office. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely is. It's definitely nice because it has that wraparound quality. It's it's, it's definitely beautiful, and I I'd, I'd recommend having a a matte finish on the monitors rather than a a reflective surface on the monitors. It you know if there's light sources behind you, it just it's really distracting. You, you I think the um, the curved monitors are, are definitely more expensive too now too because that's the the newest, latest and greatest, right? Uh yeah yeah I mean well they're they're particularly good for gamers I mean it gives you that immersive experience so if you're if you're a gamer you know curved monitors definitely are are the way to go and and if if you're a gamer also or if you're doing like graphically intensive stuff you probably want to get something that uh, has a lot of color accuracy you're gonna pay a lot more for for quote color accuracy but um you know that really you know if you're doing those type of applications that's that's really what you want yes and and that's a great point because. The uh, color colors, at least in my experience, if your if your monitor has incorrect colors and they're not they're not accurate, um, that is like the worst thing. Especially if you're doing um, concept work or texturing or, in fact, even animating too. It it, it really is it's it's terrible. Um, and it's funny. It, it just really reminds me real quick is um, there's a guy at my one of my previous jobs, a designer um, that actually change the color of his monitors to an orange hue and i thought something was wrong with his monitors and i'm saying uh dude what's going on with your monitors and he said well it's easier on my eyes and i said oh how did thank goodness he's not doing any, any type of color work um you just totally get it, it wrong it was really strange yeah i agree i agree well we're kind of getting down to the end of things did you have any final thoughts that you'd like to uh to uh talk about um, you know, it, I think I was going to mention something about Cintiq monitors and things like that, uh, in, in whether or not we wanted to go vertical or what's the difference between vertical and, and doing your monitors, um, just in, in, instead of portrait landscape. Well, I think um, the, Cint- the Cintiq monitors, they're, they're, they're primarily used by artists that are, they're, they're doing digital drawing or sketching or, or painting. Uh, you know, a lot of Photoshop work is done on, on them and they're, they're actually monitors that laid down kind of just just a little more you know tilt on your desktop basically and they tilt up a little bit and you actually draw on the monitor itself right um 3d sculpting using zbrush too a lot yeah, of uh, yeah. concept guys use that as well um i can i never used it for animating because it, my hand is in the way i can't see what i'm doing um so it i i do use a, a wacom tablet that's plugged into my machine mm-hmm. and because i was getting carpal tunnel when i first started in the industry on my right hand 
using a mouse. So you're kind of in between. <laughs> yeah, and it and it's you know you're it's more natural in my opinion to use um, a drawing tablet um, while you're working. Um, it's just it's just uh, it so flows your, better. Your drawing tablet is your mouse. I mean, you're using that as your input. Correct. Yeah, it has a pen has a pen that goes on it and. Uh, it, it took me, you know, I first started learning how to use it. Uh, a buddy of mine told me about it because he said he had similar problems uh, with the mouse. And it uh, takes about two weeks and you get perfectly, um, you know, in sync with it. And it's it's like uh, it's part of you. Hmm. So what are the, what do you think are the best ways to save money? You know, if you're if you're looking to, to buy a, a computer today. Uh, or the you know what, what what would you recommend? I mean, what how do you, how do you save money? Uh, um, that, to me, to me, I mean, I do know there are um, a lot of people that I've known that that build their own systems. Um, there's there's a there's websites out there that you can you can get on there and just part, you know, the things that you're going to need specifically. You know, like you mentioned, you know, the the hardware, the the hard drive, you know, solid state versus regular uh, video cards, all that. You can get them piece 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 those together. And then uh, build them yourself. Um, and th- you can do that, save money. Or if you don't want to bother with that, just I, I would recommend going either HP or Dell. Um, we've been using those for years and years, and, and they're pretty solid. Yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, an- another way to, to save money is to is you, when, you're, when you're doing that, um, make sure that whatever it is, you know, whether you're building it or getting having somebody make it for you, just to make sure that you're you get the right hardware or motherboard that allows you to upgrade your system in the future, like add more RAM or great point or, or switch out your CPUs. That that that'll save you a lot of money in the long run. I agree. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, well, you know, we're, we're kind of at the end of our podcast today, guys, and uh, we hope you enjoyed our discussion on what is the best hardware for creating CGI. Um, today, we talked about some of the early history of computer hardware that was used in the early days, and we discussed some of the computer hardware for creating CGI today for, for those of you getting ready to uh, jump into it yourself. Um, we talked about the differences between the computer hardware itself that studios are using and, and what, what might be best for your personal PC when you're for creating CGI, and we, we covered what types of CPUs to look for and how much RAM you might need and and covered some of the video cards that work the best. And, and we told you, talked a little bit about monitors and and uh, other equipment that we use. And, and we hope you enjoyed this fa- podcast and found it valuable. Um, if you did, please be sure to share it with your friends. Um, and let us know what you thought of the podcast. If you, or if you have an idea for a podcast that you'd like to hear, uh, leave us a comment. Uh, if you have any questions for us, uh, you can do that by heading over to our website at cgbros.com and up to the uh, About Us menu. And ask your question there by clicking on Ask Us Anything. We'd love to hear from you there. Um, so we really appreciate you being with us today. And, and if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit the thumbs up button and click the notification bell. So when we do future podcasts, you'll be notified of those. Uh, so and we're looking forward to seeing you back here next week uh, where we're going to be talking about uh, do I need a formal education to get a job in films and gaming? Uh, something we touched on briefly in, in podcast 2104. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to do a deep dive onto that. Uh, we'll see you then. See you next week. That's it for today. We hope you enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, what is the best hardware setup to do CGI? Thanks for being with us. Also, our podcasts are now available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcast. You can contact us on our website at thecgbros.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. Oh, and don't forget to tell all your friends about this podcast. Be sure not to miss the next episode, when the CG Bros will answer the question, Do I need a formal education to get a job in film slash gaming? This has been episode 2107. 
of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.